This is Aspiring Altruists, the show where you'll hear the stories of young professionals in the nonprofit sector working to change the world. We'll dive into their backgrounds, hear about the work they do, and ultimately learn how they got to where they are and how you can do the same. With the nonprofit sector comprising one of the largest U.S. workforces by tackling the world's biggest problems across nine major categories, you may just hear something that could change your life, and through it, the lives of countless others. Sharing with us about her passion for international and climate-related issues, today's guest is Maya Sterling. Maya is a program coordinator at the Pan American Development Foundation, an organization that works across Latin America and the Caribbean to make the region stronger, meaning healthier, safer, more just, inclusive, resilient, productive, and sustainable for current and future generations. Maya shares with us about what the biggest climate challenges are in the South and Latin America regions, her pathway that has led to her international issues focus, how young listeners can get involved, and more. Let's hear from Maya. So, Maya, can you tell the listeners a little bit about the role that you're in and the organization you work for? Absolutely. Thanks, Adam. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, This is an incredible podcast, and I've really enjoyed listening to other folks, so I'm excited to tell people a little bit about who I am and and the work that my organization does. So I am a program coordinator uh, on the Democracy, Governance, and Human Rights team at the Pan American Development Foundation. PADF is an affiliate of the OAS. It's based in the Washington, D.C. area in D.C., and we have offices all across Latin America and the Caribbean. Our organization implements projects exclusively in that region, and our tagline, like what we are aiming to do, is to create a hemisphere of opportunity for all. And so we do that through a wide range of projects. They cover everything from job creation and entrepreneurship, maybe with f- like focuses on a lot of projects on blue and green jobs, community resilience. We have projects on, in my area, democracy, rule of law, justice, um, human rights, um, you know, advancing the rights of all sorts of vulnerable groups, protecting folks from trafficking, uh, contributing to enhanced security systems and working on anti-corruption. Like truly PADF's portfolio is all of the things that happen <laughs> in international development, but exclusively in Latin America and the Caribbean. So my work specifically as a program coordinator on the democracy team, I work at the intersection of civil society capacity building and climate change topics. So I kind of wear a little bit of a two hats when I work in my my, uh, capacity building role of civil society organizations. This is a lot of working with very small groups that need um, assistance in increasing their technical and operational capacity so that they can best advocate for whatever their work is, whether that's human rights or promoting transparency or strengthening democracy in their countries. Um, and then when I'm wearing more of my climate hat, I'm supporting some of those groups in the topic of climate change. But my bigger role at PADF is um, in our sustainability work. So I help measure our organization's greenhouse gas emissions. I lead an internal green team that implements sustainability initiatives. Um, and I ensure that we are working towards reducing our greenhouse gas emissions. Um, we've made a commitment to reduce our emissions 30% by 2030 based on a 2019 time, based on our 2019 baseline. So those are kind of all the balls I have in the air at the same time. Nice. Yeah, and I know, you know, the, the you were talking a bit there about, of course, the work you're doing, but the projects that the organization 
as the as the whole works on really ranging across a lot of different things. And I know the the projects you work on are kind of focused on civil society capacity building in in South America. And I'm curious if you can share a bit about like what challenges that these small civil society organizations face in that region and maybe since we're talking about that region yeah something that you wish people knew about south america absolutely yeah so there are a lot of challenges for small civil society groups um one mainly stems from the political environment there are some governments that um are more hostile towards groups they don't want groups that are trying to strengthen democracy and defend human rights Mm. um and the groups that are doing that work, they need tailored technical assistance. So I can dive into a little bit what that, that means. So ta- technical assistance, right? This is everything from helping a group with their monitoring and evaluation, maybe it's some financial management, maybe it's project management, maybe it's contract and grant management, legal processes. You know, groups don't always have all of those skills. They know what they want to accomplish. They're technical experts. But when it comes to being able to grow their organization and manage funding, they need some support in that area. And then what tailored means is considering the context that these groups are in, finding ways to communicate this information to them um, and and work with them in a way that's relevant. So maybe there is a very specific technological context that they are navigating or a geographic context, language, cultural norms, and then the big one being like legal and political context. Um, very general information in capacity building is not as helpful, but working with groups one-on-one, long periods of time, kind of lots of check-ins, um, delivering material in the way that is best understood by them. Like this is the the process that you need to go through um, to ensure these groups can increase their capacity and continue to do their amazing work. I would say another big challenge the groups face um, based on conversations that I've had with them is around accessing funds. Mm -hmm. So receiving funds from directly the US government or other large international donors comes with a lot of bureaucratic uh, like requirements, right? Things that you have to complete to be in compliance. And um, not every group is ready to receive that funding and it can take a lot of work to get there. So opportunities for groups to access small amounts of funds, like micro sort of small granting opportunities is really important. Um, and they can use a lot of support still finding those opportunities and finding donors who are willing to work with them um, the whole whole step of the way, every step of the way. In terms of what uh, I wish folks like knew more about in South America, I think that the, the, biggest, the biggest thing is just it's very diverse, right? We're talking mm. about a lot of countries. We're talking about a lot of languages. A huge environmental di- diversity as well. Um, you know, if I talk about just Ecuador, which is a country that I work primarily on, mm. right, there's there's more than a dozen languages spoken in Ecuador in a space that's smaller than the size of Nevada in the United States. It's mm. the most biodiverse place on planet Earth by area. So it's sometimes in main kind of central narratives around around the region. I think there's a that. The, the the diversity of the region is lost a little bit in conversation. Mm-hmm. So for folks who want to come, you know, want to go into work that relates to South America, it's definitely being aware and conscious of and constantly learning more about the, the diversity of the region. Yeah, no, it's it's something that I guess can just kind of get 
lumped in as one the region being a uniform place especially here in america if we aren't really thinking about the individual countries or places that are that are yeah south of us um it's it's something that we can just kind of call that all one region and forget about like you mentioned there the diversity as well as kind of the the challenges that go on with that Mm -hmm. uh i know that you specifically and you're talking about the different projects and kind of what what you've been working on in in your role and what you're focused on you focus a lot on the environmental and the climate related issues talking about a bit more of those challenges what what would you say are the biggest environmental challenges that latin america faces and uh if if our listeners are out there that have an interest in those issues themselves and helping that area that again maybe we don't think of as much um when thinking about climate uh what can what can they do to help I, yeah, it's it's a hard issue to tackle, right? I think everyone mm. has a role to play. Um, when we're talking about South America and Latin America more broadly, it's it's a lot of the climate challenges that I think folks know about from the global news, right? Like deforestation is huge. Land land use change right. um, in this region is really intense, right? You take down the forest because there's a cow pasture that's needed, or you're going to build a mine or there's going to be some logging, right? The forest gets cut down for many reasons. Um, But once you do that, it has a whole big cascading effect. There's erosion that can lead to worsening soil quality. Worsening soil quality means that crops can't grow without the forest and without crops. And now you're having like poor water quality. Now the forest isn't playing its vital role in, in climate and you've got more severe droughts and more severe floods. So so issues that I think folks know about on a global scale are, are happening uh, throughout this region. Um, in terms of what people can do, and I think about this a lot as somebody that is an American, is working for this international organization. Right. Countries in the global south, countries in Central South America are not the biggest contributors to global greenhouse gas emissions. Ecuador alone contributes 0.11% of global carbon dioxide emissions right. and it's a challenge sometimes to have conversations with folks who are so passionate about Ecuador's role in the global climate crisis when mm. I know that the country that I grew up in and that I live in is one of the historically largest contributors right and so I would recommend that folks who care about this issue, you know, recognize that if you're if you're American in the United States and you can vote, there are politicians and companies that need to take much more bold action on climate and that's where a lot of big impact um, can happen is is with um, the United States or in other big emitting countries and other large emitting companies and industries taking a real hard look and um, reducing their their emissions so that um, on a global scale, we can reduce the climate crisis and not have so many disproportionate negative impacts occurring in places where they're contributing so little to the total greenhouse gas emissions we have globally. Yeah, that was something that I saw this week reiterated again. There was the latest climate report put out uh, whatever the annual climate climate report sort of showing the latest predictions as well as the impacts the latest 
progress or lack thereof in regards to tackling the climate challenge. And I know part of it really showed that one, the crisis is not being tackled enough to make a difference that it needs to be much more so. And the unfortunate part is we don't have as much time as we would have if we had started long before, just in regards right. to the severity of the crisis and how it will just continue to compound. But I did see that in it that it talked about that basically the sooner the better, because the, the worse we let it get, the worse it's going to get. But the more we work to stop it, uh, the more we can prevent things from getting worse. And, and a part of that report also highlighted again that it is the often lower income areas, the minority areas, both here in the U.S. and abroad that are, again, unfortunately, bearing the brunt of already occurring events related to climate change and will be bearing a lot of the brunt uh, of what's still to come based on on current projections and, and where we're headed towards based on our current actions. So I know that that's got to be, like you mentioned, there are areas like, like Ecuador and other areas there that are really not contributing much or not these massive industrialized nations like the US or China or others, um, but are going to be feeling the impacts of it just as just as much, uh, if not more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and I think that in the industry of of international development, there's there's a role for people to play. Like there are actors yeah. in this field that are climate focused organizations, but not all of them are. Um, and something that has been really useful for me in my early career as I, somebody who cares so much about the climate crisis and wants to work on it, but also at times works on projects where that's not the explicit day-to-day work is right. to embed sustainability in, mm. in the way that I operate, like bringing it up, being, being that person who's the thorn in people's sides, being like, we can't forget about the climate crisis as we as we continue to do our other super important work. Um, you know, there's a there's a a saying in the the climate work world that I really love, which is every job is a climate job. It might right. not be, it might not feel that way, <laughs> um, but it is, and you can make a difference at your organization or something you have control over when it feels like a lot of um, the world and the climate crisis specifically you you can't control it but you can't your your job and what you what you do with your colleagues and and what you bring up to management yeah and that's something that i know for me in a similar fashion people ask me cuz i work in climate fields environmental field as well and people ask me yeah you know, why why did i get into that or or what am i looking to accomplish through that and i know one of the things i usually respond is that i see climate change and all the issues tied to it as sort of the greatest issue in the sense that it's the one that's um, going to continue to impact all of the other issues that people are working on and will only become, it's like the, the one that's going to dwarf all the others and uh, will be the one that controls so much of our future and how we're able to handle everything else from, from homelessness to food, to water access, to uh, war, to just all these other issues is going to get, yeah, uh, impacted by this larger issue because it's this this larger issue is talking about the world that we're on, and so it's kind of when your whole foundation is is shaking, everything that's on top of it is going to shake with it. So exactly. 
Well, I know that you're talking there, of course, about your climate work that you're doing and really in these international areas that you've really focused uh, on international studies early in your career, kind of both from your undergrad major to your early work experience, like what you're doing now. So what would you say has led your that being your area of focus? And beyond that, you know, what what should listeners do is if what you've shared already and share here has sparked their interest or if that's a passion area of theirs as well. Absolutely. So I was lucky enough to participate in a youth program called Amigos de las Americas when I was in Mm. high school. And this was a program that um, took me to live with a host family in Ecuador at Mm. age 17. Um, And now I work professionally in Ecuador. (laughs) And so I couldn't really recommend this program enough for young people. This is also like high school aged young people who right. um, want to see what it's like to to work with youth somewhere in Central or South America and live with a host family and have a bilingual kind of Im- immersion language opportunity and work with some really cool local NGOs and, and kind of try it out and see if this is going to be a passion of yours. This is the program that I did. And then I got to work for the organization as well um, as a supervisor. Uh, one of my summers in college. And both of these experiences were really influential in me deciding to have international studies as my major in undergrad. And within that, I focused on geography and Hispanic studies. And I knew as I was coming up on my thesis writing process that I wanted to write about um, the international development field and um, the sustainable development goals, which were things I studied the sustainable development goals in school. And it really positioned me to be looking for a role right out of undergrad that was in Latin American development work. Hmm. Um, the way that I was able to start in this field was through a service year. I did a service program called the Westmoreland Service Corps. There are programs like this and many others um, around the country. And this is an opportunity for you to get a placement at a NGO Um while, you know, being a part of this program with other young, uh, recent college graduates. Um, my program had an intentional living component and PADF was my placement agency through this, through this program. Um, and, and then I've stayed, I've stayed at PADF since then. So that's a, a great way, you know, programs that either can take you abroad or help you work with NGOs, um, early in your career, kind of with a service oriented, um, lens, uh, is what really led me let me down this path. Nice. Yeah. I know there are, of course, many opportunities. You mentioned one, but yeah, there are a lot of different programs, either for those as you had sort of in high school, as well as in undergrad and even for recent graduates, kind of different opportunities out there. And there's, of course, some of the more well-known ones that will expose people to lots of opportunities out there as well, whether that's things such as Peace Corps or AmeriCorps, that kind of stuff. Uh, exactly. Yeah. So definitely lots of opportunities out there. And of course, with the nonprofit sector, lots of areas to get involved in a volunteer capacity also. Exactly. Well, there's something that I ask all of my guests here, which is that if there were one thing about work or life in general or any other area that you'd like to share with your fellow young adult audience, what would that one thing be? I mentioned it before, and I'll, I'll say it again, um, this great phrase that every job is a climate job um, has just been so important to me. 
as a young professional, making helping me feel empowered that I can, um, yeah, make make our world more sustainable um, through my work, even though it's not um, exactly what this role was when I started out, or even though I don't work at a fully dedicated organization to combating the climate crisis. Um, so there are great resources out there for folks who want to, to make their job a climate job. Um, I love following the hashtag on social media, hashtag open door climate. There are mm. tons of professionals um, who are open to speaking with folks who want to make their job a climate job. So I'd recommend people check that out and, and good luck. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for sharing that. And yeah, that's, that's a new one. I'll have to post that in the show notes that, that, hashtag there the open door climate that's something that i'm sure can be a useful resource for those that are looking to incorporate climate into their work whatever that work happens to be and hopefully being the uh the nonprofit and maybe even the the climate focused work like you and i are doing here in the nonprofit sector right uh, well that's about what i've got for you here today but uh how can our audience best connect with you if they'd like to hear more about your story hear about your your international travels and maybe learn more about how they can get involved anyone can send me a message on linkedin that's the best way to contact me gotcha well i will as always link to that down in the show notes so that people can reach out and yeah well thanks for taking time to share your story sort of give us some insights into the international nature and south america latin america focus of of this kind of work for yeah coming on the show here today thanks so much adam it's a pleasure talking to you today hey everyone thanks for tuning in to today's show hopefully you learned something new about the work happening in the nonprofit sector and were inspired to get involved if you liked what you heard be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you're listening from want to learn more about today's guest, how you can contact them, and explore the organization they work for, check out the show notes. But that'll do it for this episode. Come back next time to hear from yet another aspiring outdoors.